Today on the Matt Wall Show, the left has its expected psychotic breakdown in response to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. They're claiming that it would be an assault on the rule of law and democracy for Republicans to confirm a replacement before the election. That's completely absurd and laughable, and I'll explain why. Also, five headlines, including the tragic suicide of a bar owner who was uh, facing prison for defending himself against a rioter who attacked him. Terrible story there. And in our daily cancellation, I will cancel all airlines and airports after having to endure their completely arbitrary COVID regulations last week. All of that coming up. But first, a couple of quick notes. Um, the show today brought to you by LifeLock. Listen, it's bad enough if you, if you get hacked and your identity is stolen, but then it's even worse because you'll feel dumb for not having taken precautions ahead of time, especially when taking precautions is so easy with LifeLock. Identity theft has become a, a big time crime with criminal gangs operating uh, units dedicated just to that. And certain behavior can make you more vulnerable to identity theft, like um, not checking your credit card or bank statements, using the same username and password on every account, never checking your credit report, um, oversharing personal information on social media. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives because they're affecting our lives in, in you know myriad ways. Every day, we put our information at risk on the internet. And you could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number being for sale on the dark web, other things that you wouldn't be able to uh, detect yourself. If they detect your information, they're going to send you an alert. And uh, and if, if there is a problem, you get your identity stolen, then LifeLock will be there to help you with that too. There are, you know, And there are other basic precautions you can take, right? Like don't use the same password for everything it's not a good idea if all of your accounts can be accessed with like password one, two, three or something, though at least those passwords are easy to, easy to remember. But a good rule of thumb, if your password is easy to remember, it's easy to hack. And even if it isn't easy to hack, you still want LifeLock. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can find out if your information is on the dark web. And you could do that by getting your free dark web scan at lifelock.com Walsh. You pick the plan that's right for you. Save up to 25% off your first year with promo code Walsh. That's a free scan at lifelock.com slash Walsh and 25% off with promo code Walsh. All right, one other uh, important point before we get into the show. What I want you to do right, right after this show, not right now, but after the show, is go to youtube.com slash Matt Walsh and subscribe to my personal channel. In a few days, all of my shows and my other content will be on my channel. You won't get it here. You have to go to youtube.com slash Matt Walsh. So please make sure to do that and subscribe. By the way, this doesn't mean I'm leaving the Daily Wire. You won't get rid of me that easily. I'll still be here, but my shows, all of the shows, uh, all of the other hosts too, will be on the individual channels of the host. So you have to go to youtube.com slash Matt Walsh. Okay. Now, if you avoid the internet and news entirely on the weekend, which by the way, if you do, good for you. That's a very psychologically healthy practice. If you're in that camp, then you may not have heard that Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away at the age of uh, 87. The rest of us, the rest of the country, I suppose, is familiar with that information. Now, as everyone has had all of the expected reactions to this news, and so far it has played out exactly as you would anticipate, I have uh, just a few things that I, that I want to say, a few, a few interjections. First of all, and this shouldn't even need to be said, of course, President Trump should and will nominate a replacement. And of course, Senate Republicans should confirm that replacement. Whether they will is another question, but of course they should. 
There is, there is nothing outrageous or strange or even notable about doing that, except in the sense that all Supreme Court nominations are notable. The fact that there's an election coming up is irrelevant. There are always elections coming up. The idea that elected Republicans who were elected precisely for this very reason, to confirm Trump's judicial picks, should just sit on their hands for the sake of being good sports and not put another justice on the bench is absurd. It is a position so dumb, so vapid, so utterly without substance that it wouldn't warrant a response if not for the fact that so many people are saying it, and so loudly. The left obviously is in the midst of a a psychotic meltdown. Um, Well, another one, or a continuation of the one they've already been having for four years. And they're screaming that Republicans, you know, ramming through a justice at this point would be an attack on the rule of law, on democracy, on on norms. And uh, worst of all, they say, it would violate the dying wish of Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself, who supposedly said that uh, she, before she died, that, that she wants the next president to replace her, not Trump. Just for fun, here is uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez accusing Republicans of denying a dying woman's final wish. Listen. I need you to be ready. And I need you to be ready to be responsive. And by that, I mean... We don't quite know what the next play is in terms of this issue on the Supreme Court, right? Mitch McConnell sent out a statement tonight. um, And as I said at the opening, the very last dying wish of RBG was that her vacancy not be filled until the new president takes office in January. That was her dying wish. Tonight, Mitch McConnell publicly the night that she the night of her passing he couldn't wait 24 hours issued a statement saying that he was going to uh, give Trump a vote in violation of of her dying wish people can say how appalling people could say this is horrible etc but we know who this man is we know who this man is This is a man who does not care about a dying woman's final wish, clearly. Okay, now we we are a constitutional republic, not a monarchy. We don't bequeath seats according to the final edicts of a dying woman. I'm sure Scalia wished before he died that the court would be majority originalist and Roe would be overturned. Guess how much the left cares about Scalia's wishes, dying or not? The dying wish thing is completely ridiculous and irrelevant. But the fact that the left is using this just shows you they are out of intellectual ammo here. They have no real arguments as to why Republicans shouldn't replace RBG. It's It's not a violation of the law, obviously. The law, the Constitution, gives them the power to confirm or not confirm judicial nominees. It is entirely in keeping with the law. It is not an assault on democracy. Again, the people elected The people elected these Republicans exactly for this moment. This, more than anything else, this right here, this is why these Republicans have the power they do right now, to do this, to rise to this occasion. What about norms? Well, here is alleged uh, conservative Tom Nichols doing the very conservative thing of defending the far left position on MSNBC, and he's explaining that confirming a replacement right now would fly in the face of tradition and norms. Listen. It seems to me that, um, first of all, I I just cannot imagine how most of these Republican senators 
who have gone on the record years ago uh, now wake up and look at themselves in the mirror and uh, are somehow comfortable with what they've become and the things they have to say, which is uh, purely the party of power. Purely the, the whole Republican philosophy now is because we can. Uh, and I think one of the things that I find so striking about this is that it says that conservatives, insofar as we can still call them conservatives, have completely given up on any hope that their ideas can ever be sold to the public, that they can win um, elections, that they can advance their cause. Uh, they've they have become the far left liberals of an earlier generation saying uh, nobody wants what we're selling. So we're going to go to the courts and we don't care how we get to the courts. I mean, it is really it is really amazing to see people of the right who once, um, you know, when Joe and I were Republicans, this was always a big thing to criticize the left for saying, you know, you guys are always going to the courts to get things that you can't get at the ballot box because you don't really believe in yourselves. And and conservatives have become that movement now to say, as long as we control the courts, we don't care if you like us, we don't care about the institutions of the Senate, we don't care about norms. I mean, most of these senators have said over and over again, constitutionally, we are allowed to do this. And that's absolutely right. But the fact of the matter is that our, our system operates much more on norms and traditions than it does on written law. Right. They're going to do it because they can. Well, yes, Tom, that's how this works. They can and they should. But what about this norm thing? Is it an attack on norms for Republicans to move forward with a confirmation right now? Three answers to that. Number one, no, it isn't. Senators confirming the Supreme Court pick of the president who is in their same party is the most normal thing in the world. What about 2016? In 2016, the Republican Senate refused to even hold hearings for Merrick Garland, Obama's pick. Um, did they establish some new norm? Did it begin a new tradition that they're now beholden to? No. Let me try to put this very simply for those who don't understand. The reason Republicans wouldn't hold hearings for Garland is that they didn't want Garland on the Supreme Court. They will hold them now, hopefully, because they do want Trump's pick on the court. This is how it works. It's legal. It's normal. It's operating within the system according to how the system was set up. Now, yes, some Republicans in 2016 claimed that they weren't holding hearings because they wanted to respect the wishes of the voters in the upcoming election and yada, yada, yada. That was a dumb, politically correct talking point. Politicians tend to use those kinds of talking points. The reality is they just didn't want Garland on the court. And for good reason. There's nothing sinister about that. It's called using the power you have. It's called playing the cards in your hand. They did it then. They should do it again now. That's what they were elected to do. Number two, also about norms. The liberals screaming about norms and traditions are hypocrites. They are the hypocrites. These are the people who, who tried to block a Republican pick by accusing him of being a serial gang rapist. And now they want to talk about norms? These are the people who, who want to get rid of the police departments. They want to abolish the Electoral College. They, they tear down centuries-old statues. They want to blow Mount Rushmore to pieces. These are the people who, who support rioting and looting as a political tactic. These are the people who think it's okay to put a four-year-old boy in a dress and pretend he's a girl. And now they want to talk about norms and traditions? Give me a break. I mean, get the hell out of here. It's a farce. It's a joke. Three, my last point about norms. Who cares? Even if this was an attack on norms, which it isn't, but if it was, who cares? 
What do I care? What do I care about Senate norms? Why would anyone care about that? We're way past that now. We are past norms. We're past civility. Civility is dead. The left killed it. They stuffed civility in a sack. They beat it unconscious and tossed it into the sea. If you're still trying to preserve civility or be a good sport, you're a fool. You're worse than a fool. You're a willing pawn. You're a dupe. You're a patsy. You're a moron. And the same goes for any conservative who argues that the Republicans should tread lightly because if they don't, Democrats, when they get into power, will do such and such terrible thing in retribution. Yes, of course they will. But that's going to happen no matter what. They've already been cheering on the destruction of our cities. They're, they're encouraging riots. They're stirring a race war. They're trying to keep our economy shut down. They'll do anything at all, anything, legal or illegal, to seize power and advance their agenda. The only question is whether conservatives will finally wake up to the reality of our culture war and respond accordingly. Let's not lose sight of something here. Why is the left panicking over Ginsburg? What is this really about at bottom? They are worried that another conservative justice might mean Roe gets overturned. And then their ability to kill babies will be impeded. This is about killing babies. This is about their infanticidal lust. In case you're wondering if there's a, a clear good guy, bad guy divide in our culture, well, here it is. One side is threatening to burn everything down in order to protect its right to murder a million babies a year. It is not an exaggeration to say millions of lives hang in the balance right now. Millions of lives. Republicans have to do everything in their power, everything in their power to protect and preserve lives. Any cost is acceptable. No threat from the other side should prevent them. Let, let, let them weep and wail and gnash their teeth. They're going to do what they're going to do. So be it. Now is the time, though, for the good guys to do the right thing. And any Republican who refuses should be run out of town in disgrace. There is no room for cowardice or weak spines right now. Let's get to our five headlines. Time is money, as they say, and uh, if you know, you, you gotta you gotta make sure you're spending your time wisely, uh, just like you should spend your money wisely. And if you want to spend time and money wisely, go to RockAuto.com. You don't want to go to sit in a in a waiting room in a mechanic or go to the auto parts store. RockAuto.com is so much easier than walking into a store, somebody demanding quick answers to questions. They don't have what you need. You got to go online anyway. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the markets will bear. Um, and, uh, you know, here's the question it comes down to. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? I don't see any good reason to do that. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com. Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are reliably low, and they got a great selection. So you don't want, you're going to pay twice as much for, uh, for the same parts, or, or worse of all, they're not going to have the part you need. So why do that? You're paying, you're paying twice as much for a, a worse selection. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, easy to navigate. Quickly find all the parts you're looking for for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, the prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you're, you're ever going to need. Tell, I'm telling you, it's at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Walsh in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. All right. By the way, I don't know if you can see it on camera, but I do have a, um, a bruised lip right here. Maybe it probably doesn't come through, but so I don't have to admit to this. But I am admitting that yesterday I got my ass kicked by um, my 11-month-old daughter. 
she's not even one. She's not even one yet. And she just kicked my ass in church of all places. We, I was holding her and she was thrashing around, head butted me right in the lip. I'm bleeding profusely in church. And uh, the moral of the story is it was the one time in the last six months that I, the, the one single time that I was happy about the mask thing because I could just put the mask on and nobody could see my shame. I could hide my shame. But then there's like blood's bleeding through the mask and that had to look a little disturbing. Um, all right, let's get to uh, to our news headlines. Number one, as you can imagine, speaking of disturbing, a number of videos have been posted this weekend of liberals, liberal women specifically, having nervous breakdowns about um, RBG's death. And we're not going to play them all, but I think this one right here that we'll play, this is a good representation of all the rest of them. So watch this. Holy f***ing shit, you guys! I'm driving your car, but I just got a notification that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died! F***. Could this year get any f***ing Just think about the narcissism that's required to pull out your phone and take a video of yourself having a panic attack. Because there has to be some measure of pre-planning here, right? It's not, it's not like this is um, candidly recorded footage. Of, no, this, this, is, this, is, this is not spontaneous. So this lady was saying to herself, hmm, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm about to have a psychotic episode. Let me, uh, let me just pull out the old camera and, and get this documented. And then, and then she needed to actually post it, right? I don't. This isn't a, a live stream. It, is, they don't do live streams on on the old uh, TikTok, do they? I don't, I don't know. But uh, so probably she recorded this, and then watched it back, and thought, "Wow, this is my best tantrum yet. This is great content." And then she posted it online for everyone to see. So um, that's one sort of uh, genre of reaction to the uh, the news of Ruth. Bader Ginsburg's death. Another genre. This is one of my one of my one of the most common genres on Twitter in general. Uh, whenever there's a major news event, and I love these. This is the thing where somebody posts a little anecdote about how their young child allegedly reacted to the news. Um, so once again, one example will will suffice. This is from a woman named Alexandra Alexandra Lee Caps, and she says. Uh, just told my 10-year-old daughter about RBG. She had tears in her eyes, and then she did the Wakanda pose and said, Ruth Conda forever, which is the sort of pop culture crossover that I can celebrate. Okay. First of all, um, that didn't happen. Um, none of that happened. I don't even think she has a 10-year-old daughter. I think the 10-year-old daughter's made up too. Um, I can tell you, I told my 7-year-old daughter that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had died. And she looked at me blankly and then went back to her coloring book. That's a more realistic story. Of course, in reality, I didn't tell my seven-year-old because she has no idea who Ruth Bader Ginsburg is or what the Supreme Court is because she's seven. And I'm quite happy to keep it that way, personally. Um, all right, let's go on to, to number two here. Terrible story. Uh, a man named Jake Gardner committed suicide this week. And Gardner was a bar owner, a combat veteran in Omaha, Nebraska. During the riots in May, he he went to his bar to defend his bar against the rioters because he didn't want them to burn it down. And when he showed up, he was attacked by one of the rioters named James Skurlock. He shot Skurlock, killed him. This is a, a pretty clear case of self-defense. 
And there is video of the shooting. You can, you can, well, you could sort of see what happens. Let's play that. But this got a gun, bro. Well, that got a gun. It's not worth it. Okay, self-defense. Skurlock had him in a chokehold, and um, and again, the only reason that he was there, that Gardner was there, was to defend his business, which he has every right to do. Now, now, what you hear on the left is basically, if you're a business owner and rioters want to burn it down or loot the store, then your responsibility is just to let them do it. Because if you show up to stop them and to protect your livelihood, then you all of a sudden are the bad guy. That's, that's what you hear on the left, but that, of course, is insane. Now, the DA, Donald Klein, initially said that this was, this was self-defense and he wasn't going to press charges. But then after pressure from protesters in the media, um, an, outs, an outside review was ordered. Special prosecutor comes in. Next thing you know, Gardner is charged with multiple felonies and faces decades in prison. On Friday, an arrest warrant was issued for him. And then uh, a day or two later, uh, he, he killed himself. Now, they'll call this death a suicide, but it was really a murder. This was a man who was facing the total destruction of his life, years in prison, slandered as a racist and a murderer. I mean, imagine, you know, think about this for a second. Think about going to prison for, let's say, 20 years. Um, And I think he faced more than that, a lot more than that. But let's say, you know, imagine facing 20 years in prison as a racist killer. That's how you've been labeled. It's not true, but you've been labeled that way. And now they're going to send you into a prison for 20 years. Um, imagine that the hell that, that would be, especially, especially as an innocent man. So it's not surprising that a person would contemplate es- escaping it through, through the most drastic uh, means available. I wish he hadn't, of course. But the point is that you cannot do this to a person and then react surprised when they respond in this manner. The DA in this case is a gutless, disgraceful coward. I hope he feels guilt-ridden over it. He should be. I'm sure most of the leftist protesters don't have any guilt. In fact, they've been celebrating it because they're soulless. But anyone with a soul should feel outraged and, 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 and also real sadness over this. And also trepidation because, you know, this could happen to anybody. If you find yourself confronted by a crazed mob, and uh, you're, you're, you're going to face the same choice. Do I defend myself and then possibly go to prison forever? Or do I not defend myself and possibly get beaten to death? That's a real choice that more than one person has faced. Um, Number three, and the Emmys were last night. That's it. That's all I have on that. Nothing more to say on that. Number four, uh, this is is interesting. We, We talked about the fact that Black Lives Matter is a confessed Marxist organization with radical left-wing political views and, uh, and, and, and you know, ideological goals. And the really handy thing is that you could go, uh, always just go to their website, to blacklivesmatter.com, to the what we believe section, and then you could see what they believe. And so it was always a really easy thing. When it, whenever you heard that, oh, no, Black Lives Matter, they're just, they're, they're just about racial and social justice, that's all they care about, you could always respond to that and say, well, no, go, they have a website, go to it, and they'll tell you exactly what they believe and just read it. And if you do that, you're going to see they want to destroy the nuclear family. Um, they want to get rid of heteronormative thinking. You know, they're focused on gay rights and trans rights even more than they care about racial equality. Uh, 
In fact, they don't care about racial equality at all, really. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff there. But then recently, in the last day or two, the um, B- Black Lives Matter organization, they made some changes to their what we believe section. Let's see what it looks like now. Yep, it's all gone. They, they deleted the whole thing. They got rid of it. And why did they do it? Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that right before the election they get rid of this. Um, but the really sad thing is th- this, this will work, won't it? Like, they're just going to delete that and then claim that it was never there. And so from now on, when you claim, for example, when you, when you go out and say, well, Black Lives Matter wants to destroy the nuclear family, they're, they're going to say, what are you talking about? That's, that's a conspiracy. What is that, a QAnon conspiracy theory, you kook? That's crazy. Come on. Even though it was on their website, right? And it will work. It, it, it will work. Um, number five, speaking of BLM, it happened again. A BLM activist in Indiana is the latest white woman to admit that she was pretending to be black. So the New York Post has the story. It says, another black activist has admitted to being a white person. Satchel Cole. Hold on a second. Satchel. What kind of name is that? Satchel. Satchel Cole, a community organizer for Black Lives Matter in Indiana, fessed up to the years-long ruse in a Facebook post last week and vowed to, quote, seek help. Cole said, uh, friends, I need to take accountability for my actions and the harm that I have done. My deception and lies have hurt those I care about most. I have taken up space as a black person while knowing I am white. I have used blackness when it was not mine to use. I have asked for support and energy as a black person. I have caused harm to the city, friends, for the work that I have held so dear. I am sorry for the harm I have caused. I am sorry for the hurt and the betrayal. I will do what I can to show that I want to be a better person. Um... And uh, this mea culpa comes after an expose published by Black Indie Live, which ran yearbook photos of Cole's white parents and produced documents showing that Cole once listed her her race as white. Uh, The outlet also revealed Cole's birth name, Jennifer Benton. Okay, so Satchuel Cole was a a made-up name. Who could have guessed? And... um, and so on and so forth. It goes on from there. So, it, and you can see the picture. I mean, this is a white. You could. This is a white. This is a white woman with a made up, made up name. I mean, anyone can see that. And yet, somehow, she got away with this for years. Um, and it, it it brings us back to the question: Why do white people pretend to be black? This keeps happening. Like every two weeks now, there's another case of it. Um, and those are just the, the confirmed cases. We we can assume there are a lot of other, uh, you know, supposed black people out there who are actually white. It turns out. Um, it was, we only find out about the ones who admit to it or, or are exposed. Now, why does this happen? Because of the social advantage it affords them. That's why a white person would pretend to be black, is because of the social advantage. And they, they even admit that in so many words when they're exposed. Um, and in other words, systemic racism is a ridiculous fable. That, that's what we learn from this. You know. Uh, in fact, it's strange when you think about it, because in our country, white people pretend to be black, um, men pretend to be women, straight people make up all kinds of different labels so they can count themselves as LGBT, and, uh, and yet we're told black people, women, and LGBT people are oppressed. But these are the groups that outsiders are desperate to be a part of. That's not the way it works. 
when you really have an oppressed group. If a group is really being oppressed in society, you wouldn't have non-members doing everything they can to pretend to be members. That's a very clear and basic uh, conclusion we could draw from that. All right, let's get to our daily cancellation. Today, we're going to cancel airlines. So if you're on a plane right now, as you listen to this, I'm sorry for the inconvenience, but your plane is canceled mid-flight. The reason is the whole series of arbitrary and unnecessary precautions they've, they've taken because of COVID, which I got a good taste of last week flying across the country to and from. Um, it starts really in the airport. So the airports are also canceled. So is TSA for many reasons, not just this one. But now, you know, you, you go up to TSA now, at least at LAX and Baltimore. Uh, I don't know about the other airports, but, and, and they don't check your ticket. This is part of the COVID safety plan. They look at your ID, but they don't, they don't look at your ticket. Now, how does not scanning the ticket protect from COVID? Who knows? Well, I do know. It doesn't. The whole reason they did check our ticket at security is for safety. Allegedly, it was needed to stop terrorists from getting on the planes because terrorists, I guess, wouldn't know how to book an airline ticket, even though the airline, the, the, the 9-11 terrorists were all ticketed passengers. But anyway, um, well, are we thinking that the terrorists are going to take a break now because of COVID? Or was the, ticketing, the ticket checking step never necessary to begin with? If it wasn't, why did they ever do it? If it was necessary, why aren't they doing it now? These questions can't be answered. Speaking of unanswerable questions, as you walk through the airport, um, whole sections are taped off randomly. Why? Because of COVID, you can't sit here in these chairs, but you can sit over there in those chairs. It's not like this is going to help people space out. It, the opposite, in fact. Now people are, now you're just condensing people even more. Um, so why can't you sit in, in, in these chairs, but you can sit in those chairs? Is there some sort of force field around the acceptable chairs? Has a gypsy cast a magical spell on those chairs protecting the sitter from COVID? Do gypsies even cast magical spells? Or am I thinking of wizards? Again, nobody can answer these questions. Then as you get as you board the plane, you get yelled at if you're too bunched together. You know, you have to maintain your social distance as you board the plane. Yes, the, the group of 75 people about to enter a, a narrow metal tube and spend the next six hours sitting next to each other while breathing recycled air must make sure not to come within six feet of each other prior to that experience. Why? Then you're on the plane. Um, the flight attendant, whose full-time job now is just to tell you to keep your mask on, informs you that there will be no beverage service. Well, they could serve water, but not alcohol. And this is terrible for me because I had a coupon for a free alcoholic beverage. Uh, that isn't the point, though. Well, that's kind of the point. But, but also, why would serving beer present greater risk of viral transmission than serving water? I mean, you're walking through the plane with a, with a tray of plastic cups filled with water as everybody's breath germs settle on top of the water like, like muck on a pond. A beer would be in a can. Wouldn't an alcoholic beverage in a closed container be safer, if anything, than a cup of water? If anything, shouldn't they only be serving beer and whiskey? In fact, shouldn't they require that we drink it? I'm not sure why they would require it, but that would be fun. Also, um, I should note that, that some people apparently think that the fact that everybody's wearing a mask on the plane is an invitation for them to discharge their intestinal fumes at will. Somebody on my plane, I can say, was farting with reckless abandon. My mask stood no chance against this. Somebody else was eating some sort of garlic dish, okay? Farts and garlic. It was like being in the worst scented candle shop in existence. And I haven't even told you about the guy next to me who lifted his mask up to cough 
Okay, every time he coughed, he would lift, lift his mask up and then cough into the, into the wide open air. A real concept problem here. Okay, I started to wonder if our plane crashed, would this guy take his seatbelt off right before impact? Like, if masks serve any function, then it's definitely most valuable and necessary precisely when you cough. Other people uh, were doing the opposite, though, refusing to take the mask off for any reason. People were eating with the mask on because they, they did give us little snacks. You can't have beer, but you have snacks. They were feeding themselves by lifting the mask and inserting the cracker underneath the mask. It was like I was at an asylum watching Hannibal Lecter at feeding time. And I, I should mention that, except for the one guy I already noted, everybody else kept their masks on over their nose for the whole flight. Baltimore and California, and then the flight back as well. I was the only one that I saw that I, I, I took taking my mask off every chance I got. I got yelled at by the flight attendant like three times. Um, everybody else for like for five hours, five, six hours, they just kept the thing on. No fidgeting, no apparent discomfort, total ob- obedience. Everybody on the flight with the thing over their nose the entire time. I felt like I was seeing the end result of some sort of insidious social experiment, which I was. But as far as the precautions go, all of it is arbitrary. And that's the case everywhere, not just on flights. Why do so many places have 10 p.m. curfews now? You know, like bars and restaurants aren't open past 10 in a lot of places because of COVID. Does the virus transmit more easily at night? Are there COVID zombies that come out in the dark like an I Am Legend? No, but all of this is similar really to the lap bars on roller coaster rides. Is that little bar across your lap going to keep you in place when the roller coaster is zipping around? No, inertia does that. But the lap bar just makes you feel better. It's for show, essentially. That's actually what everything at TSA is always about, even before COVID. I mean, one guy tried to sneak onto a flight with a bomb in his shoe, and now billions of travelers have to take off their shoes when they go through, through security forever? With that kind of logic, they shouldn't be flying planes at all. One crash should have been enough to shut the whole thing down. But the logic isn't logic. It's pageantry. It's theater. It's designed to make you feel better and also to control you. And personally, I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. I'm done with it. I hate it. Being on a plane is miserable enough. And now with the mask, it's even worse. So cancellations all around to everybody involved. Um, well, this, and, and even when this is all over, there's still just cancellations to everybody. Just, just purely out of frustration on my, on my part. And we'll leave it there for today. Uh, remember, this show will soon only be available on my YouTube channel. Uh, so go to youtube.com slash Matt Walsh. That's youtube.com slash Matt Walsh. Go do that. Go do that right now. I demand it. Right now. Um, sorry to yell at you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed away, and before we get into the upcoming political fight, we want to take some time to respectfully and solemnly drink leftist tears to the dregs because they just taste so good. And we'll do it on The Andrew Claven Show. Hey.